Welcome back to another episode of the Balls, Buckets, and Bull podcast. I'm your host, Joey Morales. Joining us today, again, late as always, Osei Aligby. How's it going? Ah, doing great, man. And recording from outside his apartment in the slums of LA, Don <laughs> Langbaum. How's it going? <laughs> it's going good, dude. <laughs> All right. So we are coming to you after round one has officially been completed. It is uh, May 1st. Um, we have just finished up this uh, – or nearly finished up this Cavs-Raptors game. Uh, so that's where we're at as we give uh, the people the analysis uh, for the second round of the NBA playoffs. But before we go on to the second round, I thought we should ta- touch up on some things uh, that we found interesting, any series we liked from the first round. So to kick us off, Adon, which series did you like the most or which series did you think was interesting and that uh, we should talk about? For me, the most intriguing series was hands down the Jazz Thunder series. Um, that was probably one of the most entertaining series I've seen in a long time. For a first round, it was incredible. And it honestly, it felt like seven games, even though it was only six. Um, I I really wanted a Thunder to win, uh, just so I, they can play the Rockets in the second round. I think that'd be a really cool matchup. But having said that, the Jazz really deserved it. Um, they really surprised me. I kind of, I always knew they're like a sneaky good team, uh, especially for Donovan Mitchell playing like, you know, playing like an all star already. It was um, it was so entertaining to watch, especially that last game. Game six was crazy, um, and it kind of just it kind of changed my opinion. Not really changed my opinion, more like solidified my opinion of Russell Westbrook and the player he is. Um, and I I don't I would never like start a franchise around him like he's an incredible player and he's like the most energetic and like he's a tireless scorer and you know he never gets tired and he's a fierce competitor but i i really think he's toxic like i don't think that he is a smart player at all i think he still plays like a rookie um like donovan mitchell is making better decisions than russell westbrook especially like jacking up threes like so much like even though even though Paul George had like only five points and Melo was like, of course, seven points, like playing like trash, like it, he just like doesn't distribute the ball as intelligently as you thought you think he would, as you know, a former MVP. And, and that game six kind of showed it. Like, yeah, yeah, Melo and like I don't know, Westbrook has to make better decisions. And like he's, did you see how he snapped at those two? He snapped like twice at those fans. Like that's oh, yeah. crazy. Like, dude, like you gotta get your stuff together, man. Like he, I understand the heat of the moment, but like, man, Westbrook, he, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not really a Westbrook fan anymore. I don't think that, I don't think that he can ever win a championship unless he, a gets a better coach or b changes his complete mindset of how he plays. All right, say what you think about the series? Oh, uh, let's see. Well, basically, I'm going to bounce off what Adon said. You've got Westbrook, who's ready to take over. You know, he's a great player. But at the same time, his mentality is he, he's hes a little bit selfish, not going to lie. I mean, he's, you're getting triple doubles off of assists and rebounds. But at the same time, like, he is reaching for rebounds and he's getting assists off of convenient buckets. But he's not feeding, you know, his teammates around him in the way that you need, like, a traditional point guard to do it. He's more of, like, a point scorer. But at the same time, I'm going to put most of this on Melo because the guy should have been the, like the team's second or third obvious option scoring, but he was lackluster most of the playoffs, you know what I mean? And in most of the seasons, to be honest, and we should have like seen him like pick up and you know, start scoring 
25 and five a game, maybe go off for 30 points a game, but he was more reluctant to shoot the ball. He was easier to give it up to PG and to uh, Russ whenever they had it. And I'm at the same time, Paul George, I feel like he, he played exactly as he's passing to. He took a backseat role and, you know, he's ready to just, he was ready to, to win, but at the same time, he wasn't ready to like take a bigger step up. So it's, a, it's as if like PG and, and uh, Melo took a backseat, but Westbrook was already kind of leading the charge, but you know, we kind of need more Melo, more PG. And there goes the Don's cars driving by outside. All right. So I thought a I thought a common theme for this first round of the playoffs was that the team with the better players <laughs> did not always advance. This was true for the Celtics versus the Bucks, where Giannis is easily hands down the best player on the court. Oh, yeah. And oh, this yeah. was also true for this series. The Thunder have the best player. They have the best player, and it's not close with Russell Westbrook. If you you know, holistically, they do. They even have the best second player, you could say, in Paul George, despite how well Donovan Mitchell is playing. But the Jazz, with their consistent defense, and uh, I got to admit, playoff evil villain Ricky Rubio, uh, won the series in six games. And I think, you know, and I think you're right, Adon. I think we've seen this too many times from the Thunder and Russell Westbrook. He's an incredible athlete. Uh, We've seen him win big games and rise to the highest level, hit big shots, uh, put away really good teams. But over a course of a series, over a course of one or two series against high playoff caliber, highly intelligent teams, his tenacity and speed and aggressiveness can really just often turn into recklessness. And it just seems to be like a style of basketball that can win games, but against disciplined teams, it can be exploited. And uh, with Quinn Snyder at the helm, the Jazz have really shown to be a disciplined team. Yeah. They led the league in defense. Donovan Mitchell has had an incredible season. He has, and that hasn't slipped in the playoffs. And you guys are right. I mean, Donovan Mitchell looked more like a veteran than Russell Westbrook did, and you know, when faced with adversity and challenge. You know, he he had iPhone shoved in his face after the Thunder games, and you know, at at the in OKC, and he didn't uh, he didn't snap like Russell Westbrook did. Uh, so I think if you're the Thunder, uh, this is this has got to be a, a wake up call. I mean, you couldn't even make it out of the first round with what is probably the fourth or fifth best roster in the in the league. Um. So that's really all I have about the uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder versus the Jazz. Uh, the Jazz obviously move on to face the Rockets. Osei, what was uh, your first round series you think we should talk about? Yeah, so mine, I'm going to go with the uh, Cavs Pacers. It was super exciting. Got our first uh, seven-game series. And, you know, just to see LeBron surpass, he pushed the limit and then he surpassed that because when it came down to it, the man had a score. He was scoring 40, 45 points a game, playing, you know, 40, 45, 48 minutes a game. And he had to do it because if not, they were going to lose because there were some tough, they sent some close wins, but they were not by all means blowing out this Pacers team. Adon, what did you think of that? first round series that went yeah, the distance. I, I thought it was I thought it was incredibly uh entertaining. Uh it was probably my second most favorite series to watch. Um and I think that the Pacers they've completely exceeded their expectations for this year. Um after losing Paul George. It Victor Oladipo really took it to the next level, you know, Miles Turner, um Sabonis. They're a good team, but at the end of the day, it's hard to be LeBron, even when you don't have yeah, a supporting that cast. Was just, that was the like factor. Last year. Yeah, that was fact. Factor was LeBron, um, and I. A lot of people are 
I guess, jumping to conclusions with this Cavs team and saying that, you know, they're under-talented and they, they're they not going to make the finals this year. But I don't know. It, in the playoffs, every round is really different. Um, as For example, you can see as the Spurs, 2014 Spurs, they got pushed to seven games against the Mavs in the first round and then completely took over for the rest of the entire playoff run and won the championship, beat, beat down the Heat in five. So it's... It's hard to count out a team, especially with LeBron. Um, and yeah, who knows? Like Kevin Love and J.R. Smith, um, Tristan Thompson might just go off against the Raptors and have an amazing series and like be like all-star caliber players players for the rest of the playoffs. Um, so I'm glad LeBron won. I think it was a really good wake-up call for that team uh, to play better. Um, and yeah, LeBron just you know defined human physics. He's a monster and. He's on another level right now. And I just hope that he can uh, sustain that level. Yeah, but that's I'm the sure thing. It's like his teammates are really going to have to step up and like really sustain it. Because when you think about it, like it was like at one point LeBron would have like 34, 35, 38 points. His teammates would have the same amount of points. So they were matching him like point for point. He would go for a 10 for 15, 11 for 15. The rest of the team would go for a 10 for 32. So it was like you took away LeBron for a two minutes out of the game. And all of a sudden the whole entire like mentality shifts and – like the precedent going forward is that there's blood in the water, right? So it's like you've got all of a sudden like there's a knife in the Cavs' back and the rest of the playoffs, they're going to sense this. They're going to take advantage of it. Then like the team is not unbeatable at this point. It's anyone's it's anyone's series, to be honest. You know, what a slugfest of a series. Um, I will say it was entertaining. We had a buzzer beater. Lance Stevenson was always a, a, good, a good watch. Um, a lot of close games. Oh, man, I love that. I don't know if it was necessarily good basketball to watch. Uh, really slow pace. Uh, most people don't like that. But, you know, ultimately, yeah, the Cavs went in seven. But I, I really can't help but get the feeling that LeBron had to be thinking after this game, seven games for a first-round series – I mean, the man had to work so hard that the team doctors were begging him to get an IV in the middle of game seven. Kevin Love seemed to be ineffective with what could be still a nagging thumb injury. George Hill made plenty of dumb plays, even though he had a good game seven. I don't know. You just you got to wonder if, if even if the Cavs make it to the finals, that they won't be able to compete against the Warriors or the Rockets. And you also have to wonder if the Braun kind of looks at this roster at the end of the season and just says, no thanks. <laughs> because, I mean, yeah, true. when you watch the Cavs starting lineups throughout the series, they just drastically changed. I mean, they basically in the last game just went back to their roster that made it to the finals the year before and completely cut out um, all the new additions they have. So, you know, it took a Herculean effort from a Braun. Um, it was impressive to see that he could rise to that level, but like it, it's it, it. This will be one of those series where, depending on what happens in this offseason, you'll look back and think, okay, if LeBron didn't hit that buzzer beater, if that goaltend would have been called, and the Cavs would have lost in the first round, how different of an NBA offseason would this be? Oh my be? goodness! Yeah. So that's uh, totally different. Yeah. yeah. So that you know, For and that's sure. just really kind of where I. That's really the, my main thoughts about this series was that it was it, it's an important one. It's one that'll probably be forgotten by most people, you know, once the title games get underway. But I think it's it, it is one. It's the most unimportant important series that we've ever seen because it it may have just dr- 
changed his mind about staying in Cleveland. We'll see. My series that I wanted yeah. to briefly talk about, what and it's and it's not to toot my own horn over here, but it's the only series I got wrong. It's the only series where in which uh, the the I didn't pick the winner correctly, and it was the Pelicans versus the uh, Portland Trailblazers. And we talked about yeah, this. That and we series, was, yeah, that was, that was nuts. insane. Nuts. And you know, I I I briefly bought brought this up against uh, I you know when we were talking about the Jazz Thunder series. Like I said, a common theme for this first round was that the underseeded team had the better player. Anthony Davis is the best player on the court. And, you know, I we knew that going in. We knew he was better than um, Damian Lillard. He was better than anyone that the Trailblazers had. And it really, it wasn't all that close. But what we didn't know was that Drew Holiday would end up being even the second best player in that series. Oh, yeah, underrated. Damian Lillard looked – Damian Lillard – didn't shoot well. Um, CJ McCollum didn't play well. Nobody could really get hot, and they really had no answer for Anthony Davis. Rondo was playing great. Playoff Rondo is always something to watch. And I think this series was uh, important because it. I don't understand if you're the Trailblazers how you don't have to make massive moves in the offseason. You get swept as the higher seed. I think something has to change. Uh in their organization at least. So any, you guys have any thoughts on that before we get off to the second yeah. round? Yeah, for sure. I think that it's, it's another disappointing season. Like, <clears throat> you know, like Lillard is at, you know, he's at the best that he can be right now. And so is McCollum. Um, and they're still not, they're still not winning. They're still not winning playoff series. Um, and this was the year that, you know, they we're going to do it. You know, they were the third seed. They were probably the most winning team out of the all-star break. Um, they weren't playing the Warriors for once in the first round. They were playing the Pelicans who lost cousins. Uh, so like the odds were in their favor and they completely blow and they got swept. Like that's, that's the worst way to go out in the first round, you know? And that is definitely a defining uh, moment for this, for the um, Trailblazer organization. And I think there's going to be some changes for sure. Um, I love Lillard. He's one of my favorite players, uh, but I think he needs more help or they need to change the coaching staff or something. But um, I, yeah, I want to see him. I want to see him, you know, advance. Yeah. At this point, it comes down to either, like Adon said, um, either a change in coaching staff or players. And in this case, I mean, you had the other team, you know, back when Aldridge left, of course, um, and all they kept was, you know, basically Damian and and, uh, CJ. But at the same time, it's like, you know, you can't ask any more of Damon. You really can't. I mean, the dude's brought you to the playoffs, you know, two, three years in a row. I mean, they've suffered with Aldridge, without Aldridge. Um, CJ McCollum, he's rounding out his game now. He's basically at his prime, I would say. Same with Damian. So when you've got two of the best players your organization can get right now, and your coach can consistently get you to the playoffs without a problem, I mean, you just need to start building around those two. Just keep switching out, you know, pull LeBron. You've got to scrap the whole starting team if you need to, but you've got to just you've got to build around those two guys because they can get you there. But at this point in time, you need more offensive pieces. Yeah, it reminded me that Damian Lillard had a meeting with owner with the uh, Portland Trailblazers owner in the uh, in the middle of the season, basically asking, "Hey, what's the team direction? Um, are we going to actually compete for a title? Do you think uh, do you think this this organization will be able to?" And uh, if you're if you're Damian Lillard, I don't know if uh, you believe that anymore. 
And if you're the organization, I don't see how you can believe that anymore. And they're probably going to look at Terry Stotts as just a finger to blame, a finger to point the blame. So, yep, I expect big moves uh, from the Trails Blazers this offseason. So let's kick it off and finally get into round two. Uh, let's talk about the Houston Rockets first, the Jazz first. Um, the real big thing that just stood out to me is the Jazz looked exhausted. Um, and I think they, they got the Thunder's uh, best shot. Um, I think that, uh, I think that Harden is playing incredible. I mean, he's got 40, he scored 41 points, eight rebounds, seven assists, seven to 12 from three point range. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, 21 points, three rebounds, five assists, decent game. But the, the key stat that stood out to me, and this is why I think I will pick the Rockets, uh, in a quick one here. The Rockets shot better from three-point range than the Jazz did from the field, 53% to 50. And I don't know how else the Jazz are going to stop the – I mean, I, I think Rubio, getting back Rubio will help, but I don't know how they're going to completely defend CP3 and Harden. Um, and Clint Capella is playing great. So – I think I'm going to pick the Rockets in five. I think the Jazz are tired. I think uh, the Rockets are rested. The Rockets are playing incredible. Uh, Their defense is a lot better this season. Um, So I think I'm going to roll with the Rockets in five. Uh, It's sad to say, but I I really like this Jazz team. I think they're going places. I think uh, I'll be impressed with – I've already been impressed with them, and it'll be interesting to see – if they can make any moves in the offseason to get them to that next, next level. Osei, who do you see out coming out top? Yeah, same here, man. When it, when Chris Paul and Harden are playing at their best and they're playing at the level they're playing at in the playoffs, it's honestly showtime. You know what you mean? You're like, you're watching a performance. You watch them honestly have fun towards the end when they got that huge lead. Uh, they're back down defense against Jazz, too. Like, they only, I think Jazz, Jazz had less than 50 points to that, maybe like 46 or something like that. And they had, I want to almost say twice as many turnovers, 15 turnovers. And so you were giving them, yeah, you were giving Jeez. the Rockets every other chance to score off of possessions that you originally had. When you think about it, that's insane. You're gonna, you're gonna give Chris Paul the opportunity to just like you know uh, shoot 38% the free, th- uh, 30% the three point line. Um, Harden, of course, is gonna be getting to the paint, and if he's not getting the bucket, he's getting the free throws. It is just they're gonna have to switch around and play some amazing defense at, at the first point because they're not gonna be able to get to a point where they have to play catch up. You can't play catch up against the Rockets and a team like this. Rockets have, you know, two, three, four, five, six scoring options versus the Jazz who have got three at most. So they're going to have to switch around the mentality if they want to avoid getting swept. Yeah, and that's a good point. I mean, we saw this in the Thunder too. When the when Donovan Mitchell's off the court, I mean, the Jazz just don't really have a consistent style of offense. Rubio can help, uh, but even his shots can sometimes just seem like, you know, drive in, panic, pull up, you know, mid-range shot. And, it you know, sometimes it goes in, but. Uh, Adon, what did you what do you think about the Rockets versus the Jazz, and uh, who do you see uh, coming out top? Um, yeah, I think that the Jazz had an amazing season, but they're just the Rockets are just on another level, um, and I think the Rockets are going to sweep them. Whoa. It's just it's yeah, I think they're going to sweep them, dude. I don't think that the um, the Jazz have a chance. It's it's really just like another plane playing field like the Rockets are, are another level they're clicking like granted there's no injuries that happen they just play with such ease they're very similar to the Warriors um and they nothing like really like phases them uh, and all it takes is just Harden or 
Paul to go off. And there you go. Like, like you were saying, like Donovan Mitchell is really their only option um, to score and distribute. Um, and Rubio can help at times, but it's not enough. Like you can't compare like Donovan Mitchell, Ricky Rubio to James Harden and Chris Paul. Um, and like Capella versus Gobert, like Capella is playing better than Gobert. Um, you know, they have a deep bench, great role players. I just don't think that uh, the Jazz really have a chance. Like they're that's why like the the Jazz Thunder series was such a good series because it was like both like scrappy, not very consistent teams going at it. Um, it kind of felt like college ball, but this is like all right, this is the NBA. The Rockets are a real deal, and I don't think the Jazz have a shot. I think there will be close games, especially in Utah, but. Yeah, I think they're going to get swept. See, I just don't trust the Rockets to show up for every away game. I mean, it's almost every single series. It almost seems like they just – this one game, they just come out absolutely flat. So, you know, I, I, I hear you, Don. Like, I think they definitely could. Like, they – especially after that game, how the how they look game one. Um, but I think a couple of days off uh, when the Jazz go back home, they'll be able to get a game. But um, let's switch it up to the East and let's talk Celtics versus uh, the 76ers. Uh, I don't think anyone saw this game the way it did. The line before this game started was Sixers minus six uh, and the Celtics win pretty easily. Uh, the one thing that stood out to me was – Boston shot nearly 50% from three-point range, and Philadelphia shot 19. Uh, so I see game two going very different. Most most times you do not have that big of a gap in a three-point shooting. Um, I th- So I, I foresee game two going a lot different. I, c- I can easily see the 76ers winning just because the Celtics are still down so many people. Uh, the, the 76ers have the better talent again um, in this playoffs. Oh, we see this. Uh, but Al Horford is playing out of his mind. 10 of 12 from field goal range, uh, 26 points, 7 rebounds, 8 assists, plus 18 on uh, on the day. Uh, Terry Rozier, same thing, 7 of 9 from three-point land, 29 points, 8 rebounds, 6 assists. Even Tatum scored 28. Uh, they, had, they really just got those three guys to lead their entire team, uh, lift their entire team up. On the other side, uh, Embiid, 31 points, 13 rebounds, played pretty well. Bellinelli though, man, he just looked bad. I don't know how many times he must just caught on a, got caught on a switch and just could not defend anything in the low post. Was minus twenty three, uh, the worst of the seventy sixers uh, on the court. Only eleven points. Um, so I think the seventy sixers have some uh, some defense to clean up. I think they'll be able to though. They're one of the better defensive teams in the league. Uh, but I'll throw it right back to a Don. Um, Oh, well, I guess I should give my prediction here first. I will say 76ers in seven. No, six games. Excuse me. Six games. Uh, Adon, who do you predict to win the series, and uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I have the same prediction. I think Sixers in six games. Um, they just had a bad game. You know, they they were off for like six days. They were rusty. Um, and the Celtics just came off, came off a huge game seven, you know. Uh, so they were on fire still. But uh, like you said, the three-point uh, percentage uh, discrepancy, I don't think that that will definitely – that definitely won't happen again. Um, the Sixers are just too offensively potent to um, to shoot that poor again. Uh, that being said, I do think the Celtics, man, they they have a lot of heart. And Terry Rozier is going to get paid, man. He is – Oh, yeah. He is playing so well. He's like my new favorite player. He is 
on fire. He's so good. Scary he's Terry. So like scary Terry, man. He's good on defensively. Um, he shot like seven three, seven for nine, I think, last night from the three point line. Like whenever he plays in Boston, that fan base, like he just goes off. Um, and I think that I think they're gonna be really entertaining games. Like both like Boston and Philly crowds are crazy, um, and I think that it will go you know back and forth for a couple games. Uh, but I think the Sixers will. I think the Sixers will win in six, um, just because they have a lot of talent and um, they're well coached. And I don't know. I I do give a lot of credit to the to the Celtics though, and I wouldn't be surprised. This is probably the only series that I'm I'm like really I wouldn't I wouldn't bet against the Celtics because. Brad Stevens is a great coach, and he already made it through the Bucks round, and they, he's getting the best out of his players, but I still think the Sixers will win it. Yeah, and the other stat I was looking at, too, is Philadelphia uh, beat Boston on the glass 58-44 to 44 in total rebounds. Uh, that's, a, that's a pretty big gap, uh, so they just need to clean up their shooting, and I think game two will go a lot different. Osei, uh, who do you see winning in this series, and uh, what do you think uh, – is the biggest thing to look forward to. Yeah, for me, it's going to be it's going to be the Sixers. You know, they have a, they had a slow game one. Obviously, uh, only um, Joel only uh, Embiid had a great rebounds, a five assists. He was doing great um, defensively. Obviously, that's where it was a poor game for him because when you have, I mean, they're down like three people. They don't do it on Kyrie Irving, Gordon Hayward, Jalen Brown. You have Jason Tatum and Al Horford pick up the slack and just go off on them like that. Uh, they're just, they're honestly going to need to just. Uh, take it back a second because their confidence right now the Celtics confidence is high um Terry Rozier obviously had a great game and Brad Stevens he's a pretty smart coach when you think about it. the guy he's got I think he's because he's young and he understands offenses and because he studied under some pretty good minds he understands how to switch around the rotation to best I would say defend and play off of a team's weaknesses such as you know the Sixers the strong big guys but they have um they've got uh they got weak uh, perimeter defense obviously because uh, Terry Rozier and and, um, and uh, Jalen Brown were popping off on the three-point mark the whole entire night. But for the, at the same time, I think that the Sixers are going to be able to turn it on pretty easily because they have a better team um, and they're at the healthier team at this point. So, yeah, I give it the uh, Sixers and six. All right, so it looks like we all have the same predictions. Um, I will say, yeah, the coaching is probably pretty, pretty similar. I mean, Britt Brown's a pretty good coach, uh, but, yeah, Brad Stevens, man. He's got to be at least top two, top three in the league uh, by now with how well he's coached this team despite all their injuries. Uh, So let's switch it back to the West, and this is going to be one of my more favorite playoff series to watch. Uh, Going into this, I was not sure who had the best overall player right in this exact moment. Just with the way Anthony Davis was able to play uh, against the, the Trailblazers, um, I wasn't sure. I'm not. I'm still not sure if he's playing better right now than Kevin Durant is. But regardless, um, it's the Warriors versus the Pelicans. And the key thing I was looking, I looked forward to in that game one was how they matched uh, who, who who they had guarding each other. And the main thing I was looking at was who was guarding Anthony Davis because I thought, and I still think that the only way that the Pelicans can um, beat this beat this Warriors team, especially now that they're getting Steph back. They're going to have to wear out one of Durant or Draymond on the other side of the court, and preferably Durant. And if and the way the Warriors matched up on Anthony Davis was they put Looney on him, and and Anthony Davis was uh, shooting mostly jump shots at the beginning of the game, 
and it did not look good. Um, just to kind of look at the stat sheet, Anthony Davis, 9 for 20, 21 points, 10 rebounds, 0 assists, uh, minus 27 on the day. Drew Holiday, 4 for 11, uh, 11 points, 3 rebounds, 4 assists, minus 23. The Warriors out-rebounded the Pelicans 65-46. to 46. That's just not going to win basketball. Um, so, you know, and then the other the other thing I was looking at is how the Pelicans matched up with the Warriors uh, when the Warriors are on offense. And right away, you know, I'm, I'm trying to watch Kevin Durant, who's, who's guarding him. And the biggest thing that I was seeing getting taken away was that Clay Thompson was mm-hmm. destroying Drew Holiday. He was any, – any act or screens, any uh, bump it goes, any single screen uh, – Drew Holiday just could not keep up with Clay Thompson, and that's his bread and butter, even more than maybe the three point shot may be. So, and you know, and, and Clay Thompson led the led the Warriors in scoring. He had twenty seven points. Um, he was ten for twenty two, six rebounds, two assists, plus twenty two on the day. Durant uh, had a good game as well, twenty six points, thirteen rebounds. Uh, to assist, and I, I just keep going back to it. If you're not going to wear out Durant on the defensive end of the court, you're going to have no shot stopping him on the other side. Uh, so I think the Pelicans are in trouble. I think they may need to make big defensive adjustments for game two. I think they need to pound Anthony Davis more in the post, and I think they're going to need uh, Drew Holiday to be a little more active defensively uh, to – uh, keep up with Clay Thompson, let alone what they're going to do when Steph Curry comes back. So I think the Pelicans are in trouble. And I, you know, the big thing I was looking at too was everyone was so hyped to see the Pelicans and, you know, they saw, they played so well, but I wasn't so sure if it was the Pelicans playing well against the trailblazers or if it was just the trailblazers looking that bad. Uh, and I think that that was it might have been a big misconception uh, how we, how everyone interpreted that game. Osei, what do you think about this series? I personally am going to roll with the Warriors in six. Um, Osei, how do you see this series playing out? Yeah, honestly, like when I see uh, when I see Drew Holiday, you know, playing against coming off the Trailblazers uh, series, obviously, you know, he's doing stellar. He's able to muscle past Damian. He was able to be bullying the paint. He was getting every look he wanted. But you're playing against the Warriors, who are you know offensively prime and defensively prime at the same time, and Durant's Durant's defense is no holiday, pun intended. Um, but at the same time, it's like the dude Stop is stop it, <laughs> stop a, that, no more of that. He's he's a long guy, right? And so I think it, versus um, everyone else on the team, he's able to get looks, more possessions against Durant. I think he only had one field goal, and that's just like that's like a telltale sign that the that he's going to have to switch up the way he plays. He's going to have to, have to pass the ball more. He's going to have to try and get more looks in the paint, try and get more um, free throws, obviously. And then on the flip side of that, the Pelicans, their pace is a little bit different too because Thompson and uh, the rest of his squad, they he had a game-high 27 points, and they just beat the Spurs, who play obviously a little more methodically, and the Pelicans, who play a little bit more like the Spurs, but they don't play at a higher level of speed compared to the Warriors, who are always looking for the next guy to shoot. They're always looking to see who can, get, who can get the better basket. And they're going to have to really step up the pace if they want to be able to be contested in the series. And we have to give them five games, five games to the Warriors. All right. So uh, that – oh, we need to get a Don's prediction. Whoops. Um, so, Don, you know, and the, the other thing I was thinking about too is that the Kevin Durant, all they had him guard was basically Etuan Moore off in the corner and he just could relax all he wanted to. Uh, so, like I said, you got to wear him out. 
if you want to have a chance. Don, who do you see in this series uh, winning? And do you think that there's anything else the Pelicans can really do uh, to adjust their defense? Um, I think that this series will actually be longer than people think. Um, I give the Pelicans credit. And Alvin Gentry did work for the Warriors at some point. He was an assistant coach. So he knows how the Warriors work. Um, that being said, Steph is coming back tonight. Uh, I think he's coming off the bench, which will be interesting to watch. Um, I think, yeah, I think the Pelicans just had a really bad game the first game. Um, and I think that uh, obviously, yeah, they're not going to win the series. But I do think they, they can push the Warriors to six games. Um, I think that, you know, Anthony Davis is going to go off for at least a couple games, especially in New Orleans. Uh, and yeah, I think the biggest thing is the you got You got to stop one of. The, you got to stop one of the big three um, on the Warriors. And uh, right now, it looks like Clay Thompson is the man to be stopped. But he's. I think he's like one of the hardest to stop. I guess they 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 all are extremely hard to stop. That's why they're so good. But yeah, like you were saying, how he comes off screens. Um, that's his bread and butter. Um, and they need. They definitely need to limit that at least. Um, I think he is more of the easiest person to stop because like you're not going to stop Durant like nobody's going to on the earth is going to stop Durant he's he's too long and he's too fast um so if you can stop Curry or Thompson I think they might have a chance to win a couple of games but yeah I think I think Warriors in six my problem is that it takes so much uh it takes a lot of effort on defense and you have to be very intelligent with uh keep and keeping active and your eyes open and ready uh for you know, putting your hands in the right places to block, you know, and like switches and stuff like that with Clay Thompson. And I think he might, I think he's an even better off ball um, screener than Curry is. Honestly, they're both uh, so, so good at him. Yeah, man. I agree. Yeah. He's, he's sneaky. He's like, he'll, he'll come out of nowhere and just shoot, you know, and he's, and he's so lethal with his shot. Uh, yeah, he's a, he's tough. He's tough. So let's go to the last series. And uh, we just talked about the Cavs. So let's talk about the Cavs Raptors. Um, Going into this series, it was really interesting because Game Seven finished, and everyone see everyone is saying, "Okay, Cavs in five, Cavs in five. There's no way Toronto's going to win. Um, uh, it's going to be LeBron's going to sweep them." And then you see the line come out, and it's minus seven, and it got me thinking about just the matchups. And I kind of looked top to bottom. Um, you got Kyle Lowry and Demar Derozan. Um, you got Jonas Valanciunas at center and um, Sergi Baca at power forward. And you kind of think about who the Cavs going to throw at them. You know, the Cavs change their lineup like the wind, but LeBron's only going to be able to stop one of those. um, Whoever's probably playing the best, but I mean, you look at the top two, so you probably got Kyle, you know, Kyle Korver or J.R. Smith and LeBron uh, having to defend Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan. And I think, one of those two players is going to be able to beat whoever is not LeBron on that matchup. So I think they got a matchup problem there. And then you look uh, at the lower, at the low post and you see uh, Sergi Baca and Jonas Valanciunas versus Tristan Thompson and Kevin Love. And I think one of those can easily win that matchup. Tristan Thompson's an okay defender, but he's shorter than Valanciunas. Uh, Kevin Love is not the best defender. Um, so I think Valanciunas can beat uh, – Either one of those, I think Ibaka can bring them out to the three-point line. So basically, the way I'm seeing this is that the Raptors have two better matchups than the, the you know, than the Cavs can cover. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how the Cavs uh, try to make up for that. And on the other side of the ball, um, 
I think Ibaka can roll with Kevin Love to the three-point line. I don't think that'll be an issue. Um, I think Tristan Thompson and and uh, LeBron doing pick and rolls will exploit uh, Valanciunas on the defense on the other side of the ball. Um, I think if Kyle Korver and J.R. Smith can keep shooting lights out like they do, uh, they'll be okay. I still think the Demar and Kyle can keep up with them, but I think they'll be okay. Uh, so it's got. There's a couple of matchup questions I think that the, will be uh, that have uh, been interesting to watch as we just now have finished uh, game one. Um, and uh, you know, without spoiling it for anybody, spoiler alert: the Cavs have won in overtime, one thirteen to one twelve. Um, and you know, they, it looked like the Raptors are in pretty good control uh, for most of this game. But you know, LeBron, if Le- if you keep LeBron in it long enough, he's going to rise up. He's going to will his teammates to the win, and I think that's what happened tonight. So, Don, uh, what did you see from this game, and uh, who do you think is going to win in this series? I personally have the Cavs in seven. Um, I have the Cavs in – actually, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I did change my prediction after seeing game one. Um, I'm just putting that out there, being honest. Um, but I'm saying uh, I'm saying the Cavs in six. Um they won. They stole home court, and that's enough for LeBron. You know, he's gonna go back to Cleveland uh, at the worst position, one-one. You know, and he has two games in Cleveland. Um, and yeah, like you were saying, the Raptors have better matchups, uh, and they have more talent than the Cavs. But when you put LeBron in the game long enough, he will find a way to win. Uh, and he played forty-seven minutes tonight. That's the only thing that I'm concerned about is how many like. Maybe not even this series, but if he wins the next series and forward, how can he play forty eight minutes? And if every series goes like seven games, like that is that boggles my mind if he can keep up. But um, I think that I think I think I don't know. Uh, I originally actually had the Raptors winning, um, but the Cavs the Cavs stole home court. They have LeBron, so I'm picking LeBron um, and the Raptors. They have yet to prove that they could win against LeBron, so it's hard. It's hard to put money on the Raptors when you know they lost the last two years in a row. They got swept last year, I think, and lost in six the year before, or vice versa. Um, and the Raptors are notorious for choking, uh, and it's sad because they're they have a great team, but um, I don't know. And like, and I'm looking at the stat sheet, like Kyle Korver, J.R. Smith, um, Jeff Green, Tristan Thompson. They had they all had solid games. And so if they can continue to have, you know, like a a six a six man deep like plus fifteen twenty points each, then I think that I think they have a good chance. And Kevin Love only had seven points tonight, so if Kevin Love goes off, um, I think the Cavs can do it. Yeah, and you know, just to piggyback off your point about LeBron having played so many minutes, uh, this keeps going back to what's going to happen in this summer. And we've seen LeBron; he's been the most comfortable when he has at least one person who he could just give the ball to and he can relax for a little bit and let them just go do a couple possessions uh, one-on-one or, you know, two-on-two so he can get some rest. Um, But right now they do not have that. And he's having to play every single minute. He's having to control the offense and, you know, he's incredible and he's surpassed all expectations, even up to this point, even as high as they are now and how much longer it can go. Nobody knows. So we will see. Um, Ose, what is your prediction, and uh, do you think the Raptors can uh, come back in this? Uh, you know what? For me, I'm going to give them. Um, I'm going to give Cavs uh, six games to win this. To be honest, because when you think about it, they stole this game away. One is the OT; they only won by one point. 
Um, LeBron finally get, got the help that he needed. Um, Jared Smith had 20 points. Kyle Korver had almost 20 points. Jeff Green stepped it up. But at the same time, it's like, you know, LeBron, he had a triple-double and stuff, but it was like, it was like, it was almost like a bad triple double if you could even put the put a tag on it like that, just because he wasn't really in rhythm. He's missing a lot of shots he only takes. Um, he had trouble getting to rim a little bit, and at the same time, you know, Kyle Lowry, uh, and he uh, Kyle Lowry at the ends of the games, and him and Duran Rosen really can't just step it up to be honest, because when it comes to close games like this, the LeBron factor will always be a factor as long as he's in the game. You know, you can't expect to win a game. Um, when you're losing momentum and it's going to overtime, you're going to have to keep pushing and pushing and pushing. But I think they'll be able to still too. So I'm going to give Cavs and six. Yeah, and like you said, I say he did not shoot well, 12 for 30 uh, for LeBron. But, I mean, you think about that, 47 minutes in a game uh, in which there's 53 minutes played. He missed six minutes of an entire game that went to overtime. That is not a lot. Um, I don't – yeah, my, and it's like I, I kept I keep going back to it. I don't know, even if they make it all the way to the finals, I don't know how he's going to be able to uh, last this entire season playing. The, I mean, and think about this, guys. He's played like this before in the playoffs, but most other in other years he's sat out games during the regular season. He played every single game this year, played every single one, and now, and now he's doing this. Unbelievable. All right, so that is it for predictions. Um It'll, this is going to be an interesting second round, and um, I'm excited even for the for the conference championships. Um, we'll probably do another podcast for that. Anything else, guys, before we get out of here? Adon? Uh, um, nothing for me. I'm excited. I'm excited for the second round has to come, and um, I guess uh, we'll be speaking again for the finals, conference finals. Jose, anything else? Uh, not much, man. It's gonna be interesting. Interesting to see, like you said, see how LeBron fares to get closer and closer to these playoffs. See if he makes it to the Eastern Conference Finals. But at the same time, I do think that the uh, um, Celtics series is gonna be an interesting one to watch since how they have so many injuries. Um, and at the same time, it's gonna be great to see the Sixers finally, you know, come into their own and be that team everyone's waiting for. The process that took nearly six years, to be honest. Yeah. So. Yeah, and really quick to just to finish to put a bow on that series. Uh, I think it's huge, Jose, because I mean, if you're the Sixers, you can't beat this team with them missing Kyrie and Hayward. Oh, yeah, I, mean, I know you have like Fultz kind of in and out of there, but like you're not going to beat them even if, if Fultz comes back. And so if you're lo- if you lose this series, it almost kind of has to totally shift uh, what moves you have to make in the off season. And uh, start thinking about heavily. I mean, if they weren't already heavily recruiting LeBron to come to them, because uh, that might be the only way that they can beat the Celtics in the years to come. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think this series is huge. It's another one that will heavily impact the off season, um, and I'll be looking forward to seeing how it uh, wraps up. So, um, Adon, how can people find uh, your uh, photography uh, website? Uh, yeah, you can um, find me on Instagram at Adon Lingbaum and at Mache.digital. And um, yeah. They got some pretty interesting photos. I'll say that. I uh, definitely spent a couple minutes a day just staring at my phone wondering what the heck uh, I'm looking at. <laughs> uh, very interesting stuff. Yeah, check uh, it out. Osei, cool. uh, how can uh, the people find you on Twitter? Yeah, man. It's going to be at Osezy Foshezy, O-S-E-Z-Y, F-O-S-E-S-E-Z-Y. All right. So for Adon, for Osei, I'm Joey. Uh, make sure to follow us on iTunes at the BBB Podcast, on Twitter at the BBB Pod. 
Give us a fat five-star review on iTunes. Tell your friends to give a fat five-star review. We're trying to get those numbers up. So we will see y'all for the conference finals. For Don, for Ose, I'm Joey. See you later, folks. 